0: Thank you for joining me for this teaching from Pennington AG Church Online. We are starting a focus at our church in spiritual formation through the study of scripture. And to this end, we are beginning today our first week of a four-part series studying the book of Jonah. And before we dive into the word, I want to just encourage you, if you're watching this video live at 10.30 on Sunday morning, I encourage you to join us directly afterwards for a Zoom-based lobby experience. While we can't get together right now during the pandemic, it's our opportunity to in some way see each other, see each other's faces and remind each other that we are a community that Jesus Christ has brought together. And so at the end of this, there will be a Zoom link and in our comments, there'll be a link as well. Click that and join us on Zoom with your camera on. Grab some elements around you because for this first week of this, We're going to be taking communion together and reminding ourselves even while we are virtual we are still bound together in flesh in flesh and blood by the death and resurrection of jesus christ we're going to be doing this from here on out during the pandemic zoom lobbies after service and this week we want to begin with the elements by taking communion together this morning we're going to be looking at the first chapter of the prophetic book of jonah and join with me as we look at this fantastical, miraculous, powerful book. Question. What do you know about Jonah? What is your experience about Jonah? And I'm not just asking you this figuratively. I want you to drop it in the comments. Drop it into the comments. As I discuss here, what do you know about Jonah? What are the big parts of the story that jump out to you? What is your experience been? Did you grow up with a Bible study or a Sunday school class? Have you just seen it in popular media? What do you know about Jonah? Share with us your experience. What are the big things that jump out with you? For many of you, it is most likely a story about a giant fish, right? It's about a huge fish, in your mind, probably a whale swallowing up a little guy in the ocean. That's most of our understandings or experience of Jonah. To that end, I actually Googled Jonah, and I Google image searched Jonah and the first seven images all are basically the same. They're all a giant monstrous fish and a little guy either in the fish or being swallowed by the fish or being spit out by the fish. And I want to give you just a little snapshot of my three favorite. My three favorite images of Jonah online. First one here, this is I love it because it's got an Asian kind of Eastern feel to it, an ancient feel. Jonah has, you know, kind of like a Buddhist robe on and the fish looks like a dragon spitting him out onto the beach. This is pretty typical monstrous fish spitting out a prophetic guy. Second image might be familiar to some of you if you live in the East Coast and you're an evangelical. This is the image of Jonah from the Sight and Sound production in Pennsylvania. Jonah and the big fish, Jonah and the whale. This is the prototypical Jonah image. Huge whale, image of a blue whale probably, swallowing a little guy inside of him, floating down in the ocean. This is our image of Jonah. And then this last one is my personal favorite. This image here is Jonah in a full suit with a derby hat and a briefcase, walking professionally out of a fish that just opened its mouth for him, On the coast. I guess he's got a real important business meeting in Nineveh to to preach the gospel and give him a prophetic word. I love the derby hat and the briefcase, he's about to go take care of business. This is the standard teaching of Jonah in the church. It's a children's story. It's a story about the miraculous. It's a story about a whale and a man swallowed by that whale. And this is the story we tell to kids. But when we look at the text itself, the big fish is only in two verses of the whole story. The verse where it swallows Jonah, the verse where it spits Jonah out. When we focus on the miraculous moment of a giant fish swallowing Jonah, we get bogged down in the trees for the forest and we miss the overarching story. And we start to debate things like, is this possible? How would it have happened? Would it have been a whale to swallow Jonah? And is this historically accurate? Did this story really happen? And in debating the miraculous, we miss the power of the truth of the story of what the author of Jonah is trying to teach us, of how we read all of Scripture as a unified story, both human and divine, that leads to Jesus. And as we read Jonah, we ask ourselves the question, how does Jonah teach us and fit into the story of oneness with God, otherness broken by our sin, that otherness expanding and falling apart, Jonah probably fits in there, and the oneness of Jesus Christ restoring us back? How does this story make us long for Jesus, and how does it reveal our brokenness? Jonah is a powerful story when read in the overarching story of Scripture. To that end, Jonah is not a fish story. It's not a story about a fish. It's not a fishing story at all. Jonah is a story about human failure. It is the story about a rebellious follower of God who has a calling and a purpose in his life to execute God's mercy and grace for a foreign people, who out of his own selfishness rebels from God's calling. In this way, the story of Jonah is a story of you and I. It's a story of all of us who have a calling and purpose by God, but run in our own selfishness. A bit of a background, Jonah is an Old Testament book. It's a minor prophet book because it's only four chapters, and the minor prophets are the smaller prophetic books. But it's unique and different in all of the prophetic works because... While Jonah is, strictly speaking, a prophetic book, it's actually a narrative about a prophet. And this is confusing because Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 starts out like every other prophetic book. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amatea. That's how it begins, which is how most prophetic books begin. For example, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 2. The Lord first gave these messages to Jeremiah. This is how all prophetic books start. But then from here on out, Jonah is nothing like the rest of the prophetic books. It's a narrative about Jonah's life. There's very little prophetic writings in Jonah. It's about his experience, his failure, his calling, and God's mercy executed through a semi-unwilling follower. We do know other things about Jonah as we study this book. We know most likely he was a historical figure. He existed. He's written about in 2 Kings chapter 14. He gives help to Jeroboam one of the evil kings of Israel. He serves that king, he blesses that king, he's written about there. He probably existed around the same time as Elijah and Elisha, and so he's a contemporary of those other prophets, and he operated in the northern kingdom of Israel. He's called to preach to the Ninevites, who are Assyrians, which is the kingdom that comes in and destroys Israel. And so Jonah has an opportunity and is called to preach to the enemies of his own kingdom. And in this, this is kind of how we can gauge the feeling building up in Jonah of not wanting to show mercy and grace to these evil people. Jonah chapter one, starting in verse one. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Imatea. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrians. Assyrians are the greatest enemy of Israel and just all around terrible people. They're most well known for skinning people alive men, women, and children when they take over a kingdom. All around in the Bible, they are probably the most violent, the most graphically cruel people group in the story of Scripture. And this is where God wants Jonah to go. He says to him, Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Different from other prophets, He literally gets a call, and most of the time we hear the call, and the prophet wrestles and goes, All right, I'm going to go. Isaiah says, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Jonah says, I'm out. I'm going to get as far away as possible. He heads towards Tarshish, which is literally the opposite direction of Assyria, and about as far away as he can go in the known world. It's on the coast of Spain, which, if you look at a map, is pretty far from Israel and really far from where the Assyrian kingdom was. So he went to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Jonah receives a call to preach to his enemies, and instead he runs and tries to escape from God. The author of Psalm says, God, where can I escape your presence? Jonah is unfamiliar with this theology. So the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you be asleep at a time like this? Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and share our lives. The ship is falling apart. All the men on board are fighting to survive and keep the ship together. Jonah, sleeping. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this storm come to us, they demanded of him. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. O oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. What's amazing in the story Every person who is not a follower of Yahweh, not a follower of God, are the good people in the story. They're fighting to survive. They know it's Jonah's fault, and yet they don't even want him to die. They try to protect him. They try to do everything they can. And when they're left with no other option, they finally submit to throwing him into the sea. And Jonah all along does nothing Nothing he sleeps through the storm and then when they even find out it's Jonah He doesn't tell them they cast lots and then when it finally he's exposed he goes. Yeah, it's me And then when they go, how can we solve this? He says I should be thrown into the sea important nuance here He doesn't throw himself into the sea. He's more than capable of just jumping out of the boat He lays there and goes throw me into the sea I'm not gonna do it, but you can toss me overboard Then when they say, okay, we know that's our last ditch option, then they fight with everything that's in them to avoid it. And Jonah still doesn't help. He's just laying there. And eventually they have to pick up God's man, this prophet, who's been pretty lazy, pretty entitled, pretty cowardly so far. They pick him up and they throw him into the sea. The sailors were all struck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and they vowed to serve him. Now, the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. From here on out, the rest of the story inside of the great fish, he is humbled and he cries out to God for help. The fish then releases him, spits him onto the coast of Nineveh. And somehow, God got him there anyway. He goes in, he preaches a prophetic word to the Ninevites, and they immediately repent of everything. Jonah is then mad that God had mercy on them, and he goes and he sulks outside of the the city under a small plant, and he asks God to kill him. That's the rest of the story of Jonah. But let's look at how Jonah speaks to us. What do we learn and take away? How do we read the book of Jonah? I think one of the most powerful things about Jonah is... The story of Jonah teaches us we are not the heroes of this story. When you read the Bible, do not associate yourself with the heroes, the teachers, and the prophets, but with the people who need saving. Reading Jonah is strange because we like a good heroic central character, and the central character of this story is selfish, cowardly, and cruel. And in this, it teaches us how to read the Bible. Jonah is the villain, and Jonah is the victim. When we read the Bible, we are not David conquering Goliath. We are not Hosea out searching for his lost wife, Gomer. We are not the Good Samaritan. We are not even the priest or the Levite. We are the man on the side of the road, beaten and bloody in need of rescue. We are Gomer, lost in our own rebellion and sin, needing rescue. We are the Israelites, hiding on a hill behind David, asking him to conquer our giant. If you want to know how to read the Bible, read yourself as Jonah, someone called by God with a purpose and plan to love his people, who is selfishly, rebelling from God's call in their lives. You and I are not the heroes of the Bible. We are the villains and the victims in need of a Savior. And reading that points us to the one and only Savior in Scripture, Jesus Christ. If you have only experienced Jonah as a fantastic story of a man being swallowed by a whale, you may not know that Jonah is really lame. In the first chapter alone, he runs from his calling. He gets an entire ship crashed and sinking. He sleeps through a potential disaster. When he's awoken, he doesn't help. And even when they know it's him, he makes them do all the work. When you read the story of Jonah and look at the character of this man, it should disappoint you. But I'll tell you, that's exactly what I'm like. When I read Jonah, I see myself in this story. I see the calling God has for me in my own selfishness and laziness and rebellion. When God calls me to love other people and to sacrifice and put myself at risk for them, I see my own disposition pushing against, protecting myself. When I see Jonah be racially insensitive and only fight for his own people, when I see him resentful of people who have hurt him, I see my own experience in the character and the person of Jonah. When we read a verse of the Bible, what do we do? If we don't like it, we move on. Jonah forces us to look at a character in Scripture as he truly is. When we stop thinking of ourselves as the villain in need of rescue, we stop seeing the story of Scripture pointing to Jesus. When you start to read the Bible and look at the fallen characters in need of rescue and look at yourself, You begin to have a heart burning in need of a savior, a heart burning in need of a rescuer, and it points us to Jesus. We would learn and grow, as we read our scriptures, a lot faster if we saw the whole Bible through the lens of Jonah. We saw the whole Bible as ourselves in need of rescue, broken, looking for Jesus. And now in Jonah, we see a man called to do a great work called to rescue these people to preach mercy to them and we see Jonah run away and it begs us to ask the question are we running away from the life God has for us by thinking we're rescuing ourselves are we running away from a plan a calling a desire God has for us and what we think is survival is actually our own destruction the Lord gives a message to Jonah and he runs the other direction I felt called into ministry at a pretty young age. I was 17 years old. But I knew for most of my teen life, that was where God was leading me. I felt a pull in it. I felt a call in it. But I also really liked comedy and being liked. And there was a significant conversation I had with another pastor in my life who told me, I think your sense of humor and I think your desire to be liked actually is drawing you away from who God has called you to be. And I think there is a part of you that knows this and is running from God's calling. And I had to, in that moment, ask myself if this is really something I want to pursue, not just ministry itself, but if I wanted to pursue more of Jesus in my life, if I wanted to see the peace of God overwhelm in my soul, if I wanted to walk forward in his presence. Many of you may think you don't have a calling because you're not in full-time ministry or you're not a missionary somewhere around the world. You have a calling to be obedient to God in your life. You have a calling to love others as God has loved you. You have a calling to get to know the God who created you. And many of us are running from that calling. And we think we're protecting ourselves, but we're actually moving ourselves away from the life God has for us. Realize that your life is a mission, that you have a calling. Don't think of your office space or your study or your friend group or your family as just a part of your life, but think of it as the mission of what God has made for you. Stop thinking of your commute or your train ride or your walk as just something to get through and think of it as a life to experience to the fullness. You may be running from living the full life God has for you. And in Jonah, we are called to take a moment turn around, and pursue the life God has. The next thing to understand the book of Jonah and our Bible reading is that God's grace and God's plan is for all people, is for the entire world of all history, for God to redeem every person made in the image of God. God's grace is for all. And following our calling or following the life God has for us is really easy until it draws us into other people after other person after other person. Jonah was a famous prophet before this story even happened, serves under Jeroboam, and he prophesied for years against the Ninevites, against the Assyrians. And the Assyrians, as we've said, were terrorists, terrible people. For hundreds of years, they had terrified Israel, Jonah's people. Their war practices were designed to instill fear and intimidation. Men and women flayed, people sexually abused, murder of children. And for years, Jonah had lived with the understanding of them being the enemy, of their being the other. And in this story, God is teaching Jonah, My plan is for more than just you and your community, Jonah. My plan is for more than just you and your nation. My plan is for more than just you and your church, you and your denomination, you and your Christian community. My plan is for the entire world. I have come that the whole world would know the grace I have for them in my son, Jesus Christ. And as we read Jonah, we read a story about all of God's people. We read a vast, good, gracious story about a God who has come to redeem and love us. And as we read Jonah, we read that we ourselves are broken, hurting people working in God's plan to redeem all broken, hurting people. And as we read Jonah, I want you to take a look at the character of who he is and to realize the author of this story is not trying to wrap us up in a miraculous world but is trying to build a mirror to reflect our own sin, selfishness, and failing. And as we read Jonah, we read a unified story, human and divine, that leads to Jesus Christ. We read about a fallen, broken person in need of the redemption of Jesus Christ. And I wanna give you an opportunity today, as we even read this Old Testament story about an evil and failing prophet, to see ourselves in need of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus in this moment, if you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, I wanna give you a chance just to start that journey. If you are a follower of Jesus, you've been a part of the Christian community for years, I wanna give you a chance just to refocus your heart and your soul in this moment on the Savior who has called you and the mission to love others into the presence of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Jesus, in this moment, We call on your name. Lord, we ask that you would focus our hearts on the goodness of who you are and by that, draw out our sin, draw out our selfishness, draw out our own anger and resentments and heal us. In this moment, God, we confess we are not the saviors of the world. We are not the saviors even of our own life. We can't save anybody. We need the rescuing, saving grace of your son, Jesus Christ. God, in this moment, I believe that Jesus, you came to save us, redeem us and love us. You came to redeem me. You gave your life for me on the cross for my sin and my shame. You rose from the grave, resurrected and glorified so that we, so that I could live forever. You gave your life for me today i commit my life to know you better to follow you and to submit into your grace and mercy will you be my savior amen if that was the first time you've ever prayed that i invite you just to click the link below and let us know we would love to celebrate with you and support you along the way for all the rest of you watching this live i invite you to join me in the pag lobby afterwards as we will be reminding ourselves of the saving grace of Jesus through the act of communion together. Thank you.